All right, everybody, welcome back. I'm Sam Kirby. And I'm Delaire Rowe. And this is Arts for All Kentucky Stories. Before we get started, we'd like to thank the Kentucky Arts Council. And the Kentucky Department of Education, Office of Special Education and Early Learning. And we have a guest with us as well, so welcome. Have you ever been on a podcast before? No, this is a brand new experience for me. Well, we hope you're having fun so far. Oh, I'm looking forward to it, yes. So tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll kind of jump into what we were talking about before we started recording here. Okay, I'm Miwon Che. I'm a faculty in the art department at Western Kentucky University. I have been at Western. My first appointment began in July 1st, 2001. So it's been a while. The, the collaboration that I had with Delaire almost started by accident. We almost kind of passed by as colleagues, and then we stepped away a little bit, and then when we reconnected, we found ourselves in a position that we have something to offer for her, and she has really important things to offer for our program, for our students. Our philosophy of why we do what we do kind of jived together, and the rest is history. That's fantastic. So when you talk about the philosophy of what you do kind of jive, what do you mean by that philosophy? When Blair and I, we talked about what art means for not just the ones who are professionally committed to become an artist. And, you know, both of us have art background and I'm more focused in teaching and education and Blair was involved in being a professional artist and working with the school. So... Through that experience and also personal preference and beliefs that art is the kind of human experience that we would like to make it available for anyone and everyone, regardless of who they are and what stage of life they are or what abilities they have. That was something that we agreed and we were trying to figure out a way to make it happen on a small step at a time. Well, that really lines up. And this is for, for you, pre-VSA, pre-Arts for All, you're already <laughs> kind of thinking in that way. That must have been a perfect fit when that came together, right? Because exactly what you described is more or less one of the core philosophies of Arts for All and making arts accessible. So you were already yes. thinking that way however many years ago. Well, I was an adjunct at the art department mm -hmm. at Western Kentucky University, and one of the classes that I was asked to teach was in Miwan's department, in Miwan's area. And so we met in that way, and we didn't see a lot of each other, though, but we met. A little proverb that I had heard from the past was, if you want to learn something, teach it. So I was asked to teach art education, and I learned a lot by doing that. I was also working part-time for what was then called VSA Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And so I had two jobs going on. And then the uh, VSA, and now Arts for All Kentucky, um, I became a full-time director, and so that's when I left uh, the art department mm -hmm. at Western and focused on this. But through that initial connection, we, uh, um, we had something similar to offer, mm -hmm. of course, in the field of art education. And then with Arts for All Kentucky, a large part of what we do is work in the schools. So we were able to uh, connect on that level. Mm -hmm. What do you think generally kind of 
and and I think this is just culturally improved over time, but the idea of the arts being something that's, you know, high class or something that's not attainable for for other people. I, I do believe that's already kind of improved over time, but what are some of the, the reasons that you think that it's maybe potentially kind of been that way and now it's it's a much more, you know, accessible thing that we continue to try and make, you know, more accessible? And why is it important that it's accessible? So like five questions in one, sorry. <laughs> well, <laughs> there is topic. that overlap, I think, with the arts and education mm -hmm. because uh, the arts, all the different art forms are languages uh, in and of themselves. And uh, uh, they can be used in so many different ways as tools for education. And um, so... Art education sometimes is thought of as something that's maybe secondary to the uh, to the overall education of uh, most students, but in fact, it is kind of uh, it it's a delivery system even for that education. I mean, there is art for art's sake, and I believe in that. My background is as a studio artist, but through my uh, career, I've learned what a tool the arts can be, especially for education, but for many other things too. Uh, it's integrated into, uh, um, you know, our everyday life, commerce. I mean, the list goes on and on, but I think the focus of our relationship, working relationship has been um, arts and education. Mm -hmm. I think throughout history, the dimension of art has changed over time, that art has been the property of uh, the representation of power or religion or culture. Uh, so that, that is one dimension of art. Also, art being part of the commerce and it developing into uh, communicating certain agenda and ideas. Those are all, I, I believe, part of art. But I have never personally practiced to be a, a practicing artist. I never considered myself as a practicing artist, even though I did have the studio background. Then I jumped into education. For some reason, um, I could have studied something very different. I was on an academic track and science track, and there was a little bit of a rumbling in my family why I would study art in you can do something other than that. It might but, be a seismic shift in a lot of yes, families. Yes, that so was just be like I'm gonna, you know, be a you know chemical engineer. I'm gonna be this. I'm gonna go into art. You you're that on a, you're on an academic change. science track. So what is what is you know something is not right. Right. But I think the for my perspective, uh, I I was very curious about learning about the world, how things were, how things work, history. I I just was that kind of person, I guess, and, and art was making sense. And, and that, that I just look at an image and all of a sudden I feel, I, I get it, I see it. So that sense of relief and that sense of understanding gave me such freedom and I thought I am going to spend four years of my life in college just learning about art, that's how it is. Now that is when you were in Korea, That's correct? when I was in Korea, you're right. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, and, and then one after another, and then I was getting into uh, the field of education and uh, by teaching in a small town, Washington, Indiana, 
they gave me a really good perspective of what art could be and means uh, for for just teach children to become better person through the arts. There's and a lot of proxy benefits that we've learned just even like through this podcast and doing that 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 we've learned about you know teaching like just critical problem solving skills mm -hmm. and even you know I don't think it was might have been Cadavetti who was talking about that that mm -hmm. um, you know art more than anything you know a lot of people have a ton of ideas or they'll see a piece of art and think oh I can do that because they can think of it but the hard part is the problem solving and going mm -hmm. through that and whether you end up wanting to be a full-time professional artist and going that route or you just kind of get to do it as a middle school or high school sort of thing, it still instills maybe some some problem solving skills mm -hmm. that you can take with you. Yeah, I think the Lyra mentioned that art is, it could be potentially a delivery system. That means that doing anything and everything in the best of your ability is art. We, we call art of everything. So by trying to teach that value, whatever it is that we teach. There are many means and grids of, you know, painting, drawing, you know, but those are just means, but doing anything the very best of that we can at that time of our stage of life and wherever they are, I think that's a very important value. And also turning the agency of problem solving to themselves. Now that doesn't, they may not, some say, well, that's not really economically immediate, you know, profitable. But I tend to reserve that question to be, well, think about it. Because when someone begins to feel affirmed and they have sense of themselves and have that confidence and understanding, and that is where all that changes of life begins. And I believe that if we could do it in the best way right, then we will be able to help students and anybody see that ownership of their own self through art. And that's with, you know, not just your, you know, quote unquote, you know, traditional students. That's with your, you know, the students with disabilities and your exceptional students that we were, you know, that Arts for All is really, you know, focused on uh, in, in a lot of ways and um, building that confidence and somebody who has more or less probably spent some time in an environment where they're not really having any confidence built up at all. They're just kind of managing or doing that. So the art process, I think, is something that allows the building of that confidence and the um, kind of maybe forging a little bit of independence that maybe they've not even thought is possible for them. Absolutely. And I also know that Niwan does a lot of work with English as a second language students. Mm -hmm in the schools that that's true and I, I I'm sure that there's a scientific way that it can be proved and analyzed in so many ways you know we have the different hemisphere in our brain left and right and you know how we process information and um, I, I do believe that we don't schools sometimes tend to be over analytical we focus so much on that logical analytical part of education, math and science, not to discredit, they are important. But I think arts and humanities uh, try to understand where we are, who we are, uh, is where all those tools are going to be rooted. That's the way I see it. 
So you can have all the tools you could pursue, but what is that for? And where is that going? And how are you going to benefit? So it really is a relationship in some way. And when artist is creating their own work, it's a very private space. It's their art and themselves and the world that they create. It's a relationship of two-way. But when you are teaching, when you're trying to uh, make art available and accessible for anyone who is willing to learn, that means we're talking about try three-way relationship. So it is you and your art, of course. But what is going to get bigger is the people who will be around that you'll be connecting through your art as a tool. And as an, as an artist myself, I love the arts. I love my art form. And mm-hmm. so I believe in it. And, of mm-hmm. course, I want to share it with people because I know that there's strength in that. I, th- I think that really provides a very special um, rapport, which sometimes is lacking in the school because school has obligation to manage large number of students and large number of obligations that they have to at least address. Fulfilling, I'm not sure, but they have to address that. Um, So by organizing and structurally that having one of my students who are learning how to teach with a student that we, she, helps us you know, to work with, uh, really puts the face of a person with all those names and labels they learn. So uh, theory and perspective is one thing, but you don't really know how it plays out until you are sitting with the person, child, adult, doesn't matter, and, and look them in the eyes and start working. So. I have to prepare my students to be completely open-minded, have all the tools necessary, and this is Delaire's teaching. It's not about you imposing all of what you know, because you new students know more, of course, a lot more, but that's not the point. The point is, how are you going to recognize what they can do and then build upon, because you have the tools. And you have to have that intuitive eyes. And I think that comes with that private, quiet, special relationship that they have. So I've had many students who actually told me, when when we write that at the end of the program, the reflection and evaluation, I learned from this program about working with students with special needs far more than semester-long courses so well I know some of your students might be kind of nervous at first because they they feel like they don't I don't know (laughs) enough I don't have any experience with this what will it be like but then when they get there and they're working with a child and they kind of get to know them Mm -hmm. you know they realize well kids are kids they're just another kid so they actually tell me how do I talk to a kid with autism, uh, you just talk to you any just child. Talk to them, you ask <laughs> any child. But I think it's just a sense of obligation. Do I have to teach? I have to do something. I say, well, that'll come. But the mm-hmm. most important thing is that you want them to get to know you. Allow yourself to uh, 
so they get to know you and they feel comfortable and they trust you. And once you have that fertilizing ground, then it's going to grow and, and it'll just have the life of its own force. It's the same as, you know, potentially like learning a foreign language. So like Precisely. you can, you can sit mm -hmm. there and you can take, um, you know, six years of Spanish and you can feel pretty fluent, but you're not going to learn it the same way as if you spent six months in Spain or, That's true. or in, you know, somewhere in Latin America. That's true. But also one thing they realize, I think we know it intuitively. Uh, not all individuals, children, adults are going to learn the same way we set up our own procedure. So because we are trying to teach, but learning is up to the students. It's their own way. They'll, they'll learn, they'll accept when they're ready. So we could create an environment and nurturing place that they want to. And that's part of the difficulty or challenge or reward all at the same time, because you have to encourage and motivate the students in a way that they'd like to follow you. And, and that I believe only happens probably in a, in a trusting relationship. Well, I have to say, I'm really proud that uh, to think that there are young art teachers out there and across Kentucky and maybe other places, too, who have been influenced by their experience with Arts mm -hmm. for All Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a small part of their education, but it's, I think, I like to think it's an important well, part. I'm not it's sure if it is part. a small part. I, I tend to want to expand a little bit it is it, it starts as a small part but it really expands hugely because what we're also learning is that you because people children anybody will learn in a different way we try to accommodate multiple ways of delivering some need to see and touch and participate in so many different ways what's the what do we call that Multi well uh, i know we promote uh, universal design universal. for learning right. so mm -hmm. that uh, students are, are the, you know, presenting the information in different ways, allowing the students to show what they know in different ways. And it's uh, um, it, especially in the, the way we talked about how we evolved as we started. And in the last three years, oh, my goodness, we because of the difficult situation and lockdown and and all the concerns we even had to teach autism children with autism on different levels through zoom <laughs> now that was a challenge mm -hmm. but we had to try it and we wanted i wanted students to figure out you know you don't have to give up you, this is only temporary let's go for it so delayer helped us connect our, our coordinator at the Autism Center at Western, we met and we had a list of students. We knew their home address, their names, and we put together a package that we mailed them, mail all the art supplies to every single one of them. So they'll have the materials, my student will have the materials, and I was looking for a computer everywhere in the art department because there was only one computer with one family. They were everywhere. That's we even did that. That was part of the new understanding because we couldn't have the kids mm -hmm. coming to 
to to the building. So uh, the school was just it's not the best situation there, and we didn't want to be outside. That just wasn't working as well. And then another one that I, I believe that really our collaboration saved my program, literally, figuratively, in some way, because that was, again, in the middle of lockdown. We couldn't be in school. We couldn't go to school. They were having a hybrid. Mm -hmm. So children will come Monday, Wednesday, and then the other half, Tuesday and Thursday. And we had a visiting storyteller and musician. Uh, we we would... Uh, Cynthia Shangaris, mm -hmm. and and so we work with one particular school that is the poorest in in town, uh, large number of ESL refugee students and low income, Title One school, and uh, so with that help, financial help to bring her, my students were involved, and based on the story she was telling. The theme was wonderful, yeah, you know, the friend in, a friend in need is a friend indeed, something like that. So I don't know what we could have done without that collaboration. And that's what one of the things that I've learned through my job is how, how does Arts for All Kentucky, how is it a statewide organization? How could that be? We only have one little office in Bowling Green. It's networking. Mm -hmm. We meet people, we talk to them, and we, we work together. And uh, that's how it happens. That's how we provide services statewide. And we're always looking for new partners, too. Mm -hmm. It's extremely, mm -hmm. extremely collaborative. Yes. And, and the, the fancy term for that is that we, when, you know, cross-sector collaboration, that you step out of your own entity. And this has started uh, in England, in York University, when, when I attended that conference there, which means that even though we are in higher education, uh, doesn't necessarily mean that we have to stay only where we are. We have to go out and reach to the communities and entities and different sectors. So part of what Blair and I were doing is we're connecting university and the community organization. And then she's connecting with the public schools through her tools, I connect with public schools through my teaching, and, and my students are teaching everywhere in Kentucky as an art teacher. So that, that level of like a web of network. It's a ripple effect. It's so important. Yes, you are absolutely right. Mm -hmm. And also, this is more of a personal philosophy in some way, and I'm sure that Delaire would agree that I think if you're not ready, you still have to keep searching for yourself, the answer. The, the, the important thing is in the process. So when you do that, you recognize when, when the opportunity comes, when something is right, when something feels right, something doesn't you know, seem like it's out of order. And I think that's how we connect it. And a lot of times it's not scientific, it's just intuitive. And we use our creative, uh, I say, perspectives to to make it work thank you all for tuning into arts for all kentucky stories uh, it's a great opportunity for us to showcase our artists and students and parents 
families impacted by Arts for All Kentucky and to talk more about how the arts is an opportunity that's unifying and inclusive for those with disabilities. Again, we'd like to thank the Kentucky Arts Council and the Kentucky Department of Education Office for Special Education and Early Learning for making all of this possible. We invite you to follow us on Facebook, uh, follow us on Spotify or YouTube where we release the podcast to stay up to date with new releases. Again, my name is Sam Kirby. Thanks for the opportunity to host this show.